All right. Hey, uh, this is Jared Bryant with Pray, Send, Go, Conversations with Ministry Voices. This is our podcast for Bethel Missions that we really enjoyed doing. And so we are glad for you, the listener, to, to tune in. And today we are joined by John. John, how do you say your last name? Wagonveld. Wagonveld. John Wagonveld <laughs> with Multiplication Network Ministries. Uh, just one of M&M, Multiplication Network, is, is one of our partners we just really delight in the work that God is doing through them around the world. So John, why don't you tell us more about M&M? Can you explain to us uh, what M&M does? Thank you so much, Jared, for this opportunity. And first of all, uh, just want you to know that we cannot do what we do without partnerships like we have with Bethel Church. And so we're very, very grateful for your interest in global missions. We know that you're a congregation that and not only speaks about missions, but also prays for uh, mission work around the world and participates financially and otherwise with mission trips, etc. So thank you for what you're doing for the cause of the gospel around the world. Multiplication Network Ministries was born uh, 20 years ago in uh, Puerto Rico, and the Lord has just blessed it. Basically, what we do is train church planters, couples who are going out to establish new communities of faith, in towns and villages and cities and neighborhoods that don't have an evangelical presence. I know it's really hard for us uh, in the United States to conceive of this, but when you think about it, there are 5 billion people around the world that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So it's hard for us to understand here when we can go to our church of choice uh, and sometimes we will drive past four or five or even six churches to get to the one that we belong to. And, it, and, and in that context, it's really hard to understand that there are places, I'll just give an example. In Russia, there are over 130,000 communities that do not have an evangelical presence, not Presbyterian, not Pentecostal, not uh, Reformed, not Baptist or Assemblies of God, nothing. And that's wow. just not right. And that's what we're trying to change. Praise the Lord. There are men and women yet today who the Holy Spirit is calling to go and plant churches and evangelize, disciple, start small group Bible studies, bring uh, marriage conferences in the name of Jesus, and, and doing this so that they can establish a beachhead for the kingdom of God. And as they go out, they need training. And that's what we provide. We give them the equipping, the training that they need, the encouragement, the mentoring, the coaching, so that they can be more successful in this really hard work of establishing new points of the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's great. We, you know, at, at Bethel, one of uh, the initiatives that we've been doing over the last few years, uh, a campaign we've called More and Better. And you have something very similar. You have stronger churches. Yes, which right. Is Right. So tell, tell us about that. Why, why more churches? Why, what is the importance of, of church planning and, and how is it a biblical and strategic practice? That's a great question, Jared. The, the missiological foundation and, if you will, biblical and theological foundation for it is the Trinity. Uh, the, the fact that we believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as Christians, evangelical Christians, we believe in the triune God and we believe that that triune God is both a social God and ascending God. Those two S's, social God, sending God. By social God, we mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is uh, because we are made in the image of a triune God, we are made for community. And the community that God has instituted is the church. And Paul makes it abundantly clear 
uh, in the New Testament that it's through the church, Ephesians 3.10, through the church that God's manifold wisdom will be made known. And so uh, by establishing new communities of faith, you are doing not only evangelism, you are doing discipleship, you are doing uh, marriage and family reconciliation, you are helping the poor, you are helping the uh, uh, bringing truth to power, you're helping the unborn, you are helping with justice, you are helping with so many things when you have a local body of men and women who are reflecting the triune God into their context. The second one is that the triune God is not just a social God, but he's ascending God. He has told us to go into the nations bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and he's restoring all things unto himself. How do we do this? Well, we can do it individually, but it's so much more powerful when we can bring our individual gifts, but both our strengths and weaknesses, interlock them with other people's strengths and weaknesses, and together manifest what it's like in healthy congregations that shine forth the truth of the gospel into their communities. And so the New Testament is, I mean, Paul himself uh, writes letters to people uh, in Philippi, the first church that he planted when he went over from Asia into Europe, and he writes them a letter, and now we have the book of Philippians. He writes the church in Rome, and we have Romans. He writes the Thessalonians, the Colossians. What were these? These were churches that were established that came around the reality that Jesus had indeed resurrected from the dead. And so a lot of this uh, is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this historical event that changed all of history. Yeah, that is really good. You know, one of the things I love about you, John, is, is I cannot come away from a conversation with you and not get excited. Passion <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and excitement for what God is doing. And, and that's good. We should all have that. And in the area of church planning, it's unbelievable what God is doing. You know, you, you told me that right after this call, actually, you have a call with some brothers in Christ in Africa. And so you have the honor and privilege, and I do as well in the role I'm in, hearing what God is doing around the world. And COVID has not stopped God from moving. In fact, God clearly is sovereign over this, and he knows what he's doing, and he's using all this for his kingdom and his glory. So I think there's power in narrative. So maybe tell us some of the exciting stories of what God is doing in this COVID season globally. Thank you. Yes, um, just uh, in a little while, I'll be meeting with our East Africa director and our West Africa director. And in spite of COVID and in spite of the pandemic, we know that God is the God of history. He's the God of life. And so he's not going to let this go wasted. There are purposes that are being accomplished even through this situation. And it's actually changing the church, uh, purifying the church. And it's going to make us, I think, stronger post-pandemic. I just yeah. met with several, um, um, oh, it was over 150 leaders from Latin America last night where we were discussing, can you do this digital discipleship? How does that work? Can we plant digital churches? And the answer is yes. Just talk to, uh, for example, uh, Raul Galvis from the Assemblies of God. He pastors a church in Bogota, Colombia. And he said he had 17 um, people who would never step into a church, but who have been open to digital discipleship. They've come to know the Lord, and now they're being discipled, all of it online. Mm -hmm. And so people that would not be reached pre-pandemic are now being reached because of the pandemic. Yeah. He also said 
and I'm not recommending this or saying that others should do this, and he, he made that point clear too, but in his case, uh, they didn't want to be paying rent of two different buildings that they had, so they, say they gave up on those contracts, they put the money into digital uh, uh, methodologies, and now they have over 100 people that are part of their digital community doing everything online. In wow. Colombia, of course, the rules and the regulations are different than they are here. So for now, this is working really well for him, and they are reaching people that they would otherwise not reach. In uh, do pray for places like Nepal. The work there is just so, so difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, many of the pastors um, are having a hard time, and because they don't have donate now buttons, for example, on an, on a website or anything like that. You know, these are many are. Uh, rural communities, very poor communities. And so when the people don't go to the church physically, they also don't bring their offerings. And so those who depended on uh, their pastoral roles, those pastors are not uh, being able to feed their families. And wow. so we are seeing both some amazing things, but also some very difficult things. So I think scripture calls us to both make room for celebration, but also for lament. And so those are two examples of things that are happening around the world. In, in terms of Africa, uh, the rules have been, again, very different in uh, country by country. But in Tanzania, we're still experiencing lots of training going on, lots of, they, when we get the pictures, you know you're getting really relevant, up-to-date pictures when people are with their masks on and we hear these testimonies, but they still gather, they still congregate uh, with appropriate social distancing, but churches continue to be planted in uh, Tanzania, which is very receptive uh, to the gospel. So praise the Lord for the growth that's still taking place. Amen. You know, yet, uh, last week I met with a brother in Christ from Egypt. He's a, a regional coordinator for a different organization that does house church planting movements. And he was, it was his testimony was unbelievable, but he was telling me about how he came to Christ and he was just sharing his faith, uh, and, he, and he was seeing Muslims trust in Jesus left and right, and he started meeting in homes, in his home, and just it started growing and growing, and he's like, you know, we should multiply this and develop leaders, and he didn't even know church planting was a thing. He didn't know that that's what he was doing, but <laughs> he ended up planting dozens of house churches, and he said, actually, the biggest opposition he got, uh, now this is in Egypt, was from the evangelical church and the Coptic church there, he had leaders that came to him and said, you, you, need, you need to stop. Uh, this is, you're taking away from our flock and, and this is uh, not healthy and this is not a biblical practice. And so he you know, wrestled with that. And, uh, but he meanwhile continued to, and he's now over, I think the region of Iran, Iraq, Jordan, uh, Turkey, Lebanon, Syria. And he's seen hundreds of house churches planted. Well, when COVID happened, now everybody's in the house church, you know, everyone became a house church. And so all these more traditional models were meeting in homes and their eyes were open. And so they came to him and almost asked for forgiveness and said, is this what you were doing? You were, you were meeting homes and just doing church. He said, yeah. He said, brother, we're on board. So it's completely shifted their perspective. <laughs> Hundreds of house churches planted over the last eight or nine months during COVID. So you know, it's an example of uh, we, we're in crisis and we see that uh, this is difficult and there's suffering going on. And there is, and I don't want to diminish that, but God is doing something. He, he is always sanctifying and refining his church 
and growing his kingdom. And so we can't lose sight of that. Yeah, one pastor, what you're saying is uh, amen to that. And one pastor last night, he said, in our country, this was in a Latin American country, he says, uh, in our country, the churches were closed, but the hearts were opened. Mm, and good. so I really liked that line. It resonated with me because yeah, the, the, the physical, we don't go to church. We are the church. Amen. And so if we remember that the church are the people, we are the living stones. We're the living bricks and mortar of the church uh, that, that Jesus Christ loves and for which he gave his life. And uh, I think we need to remember as we do his mission, because he's the one on mission and we get to be secondary agents with what the Holy Spirit is doing and joining him in the work of God's triune mission into the world. Uh, yeah. But we do get to participate. He asks us, in fact, he commands us to participate with him in what he's doing in the world and to join him there. And so I think what's happened is that we've been forced to go to a more New Testament model where, you know, they gathered, you know, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, uh, gathering in the temples, but also in the homes. And uh, so this has been uh, really great because we can only meet in small groups. In some places, they only allow 10 or people, not more, to gather in a place. So two, three families might come together and worship. And so this has also created a multi multiplication of leadership because so many, you know, I don't know what your assessment is of the church in North America, but in a lot of places, it's the one-man show behind a pulpit with a microphone in his hand. Mm -hmm. And now what we're seeing is that this has forced us to multiply leaders. And that one who was behind the pulpit with a microphone is now having to relearn and retool what it means to be as a, as a Christian leader, but in the way of Ephesians 4, going and equipping others so that they're the heroes of the day uh, not a one-man show, but rather a equipping ministry so that the people can lead their families or two, three other families and their neighbors and, and, and have church in the home and be the church. And so this has a positive, there's a positive side to the, what's going on around the world. Yeah, amen, amen. I like that. Church is closed, but hearts are open. That, that's good. <laughs> and that's what we want to see in the States, too. We want to see hearts open to what God is doing in our neighborhoods locally and, and around the world globally. And so, you know, as we struggle, especially during COVID to help people have global eyes, we'll say to, to see what God is doing, to be burdened for what God is doing globally. How would you speak into that? What's kind of a message of hope or encouragement uh, to, to urge people to be involved in what God is doing? I would say two things. The one is the global and the other one is the local. The global, uh, just to keep rem reminding ourselves that it's not all about just what's happening here and in the news and in our very, sometimes we get a very myopic perspective, very uh, provincial, uh, parochial perspective of, okay, this is what's happening to me and, and, and around me. And to remember that the faith is about not ourselves, but of being used by God in what he's doing in the nations. And so I think we really need to keep that perspective in front of us. And that can give us great hope because sometimes we look around our, uh, what's going on here and it can be quite despairing. And yeah. so praise the Lord that we can hear that in the global South, the Lord is on the move. Churches continue to grow. Disciples are being made. Yes, there are problems. There are issues everywhere, but people are figuring it out. God has put creativity in humanity, especially in his servants, so that 
the church continues to find ways to minister to others. I'm seeing incredible creativity in uh, Africa, Asia, Latin America, Eurasia, some wonderful things that uh, God uh, is doing. So we should not lose hope. That's on, on the global front. We need to pray and support and continue uh, learning about what are from our brothers and sisters around the world. The, the what I would say for the local uh, group is that for the local audience would be that we need to recognize that there is a place in scripture for lament. We're so often wanting to go right away to victory. Hey, how are you, brother? How are you, sister? Oh, I'm in victory. And uh, sometimes we need to just say, you know what? We even have a book in scripture called Lamentations. There is room for lament. We need to rediscover biblical lament. The good thing is that when we go through lament and say, I lament what is happening in our country. I lament the divisiveness. I lament the polarization. I lament the political divide. I lament the, the, the lack of racial reconciliation. I lament, and you can fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. That will allow us then to move to the other side. And it's kind of like the cross, but there's also the resurrection. There's Good Friday, but there's also Easter Sunday. And we are, as one theologian said, we are the Easter people and hallelujah is our song. Mm -hmm. And so we can move then through the lament and past the lament and then say, okay, in God, we will remain a hopeful people. And I think for that for the people now uh, in, in today's day, we have a reason to be glad to be able to show in times of pandemic and polarization that the people of God dance to a different music and they march to a different drum. And so I think we've been given a wonderful opportunity to demonstrate love. And let me just give a few examples. Maybe instead of tweeting my incredible intellectual argument, I'm going to refrain and I'm going to say, I'm going to do this the way of Jesus and I'm going to listen first before offering a word of, of, of advice mm -hmm. or a word of encouragement. Maybe I, I will show hospitality to someone who has a different view than mine or from a different socioeconomic level or from a different race or from a different color skin. And I'm going to show hospitality to someone who I usually don't hang out with. These are the ways that can communicate hope to an unbelieving world. The church is being watched. And sometimes we get sucked into the ways of the world. No, let's say, you know what? Whether you're on this side or that side, let's do it the way of Jesus. Let's go and think, what would be the way of faith, of hope, and of love in this situation? Well, as Easter people, we say hallelujah to that and to that. So, yeah, we want to do the, the way of Jesus in all this. So let me, let me close with this. Uh, what are, John, what are some ways that... Uh, people at Bethel can be involved with what Eminem is doing and, and can be praying for, for Eminem. You know, um, we had one of our major partners up in Canada. They are what we call our, our, our probably our strongest ministry and financial partner. And they just went through a situation where they depended on 52 thrift stores where people gave them all their used clothing and furniture, et cetera. And then they sold that at these 52 stores and all the proceeds, since this is volunteer driven, could go after paying expenses into missions. 
and they would give us, you know, about a million dollars. Wow. What happened with the pandemic there was that those 52 stores had to close mm-hmm. all at once. And boy, they, then we got the call saying, you know, they're reopening now, but in a limited, uh, in limited schedules. And so we got the call that they were no longer going to be able to provide uh, mm-hmm. as they have in the past. So I would say, first of all, pray that we're able to make up that gap. Secondly, of course, you know, there's always the giving. If people are able to help us with that, we appreciate anything that can be given. And we already appreciate your partnership in the gospel uh, financially. And then um, any words of encouragement? I know that one of the big things that's happening in our organization is that our uh, CFO is a member of your church. And uh, he's also our vice president of operations, someone we've learned to respect and become great friends, Tim Maxwell. He's uh, going through uh, melanoma brain cancer. And so we praise the Lord how well he's doing. I talked to him this morning. He's as sharp as can be. But if you can keep encouraging him and loving him, that would be a very practical thing that by surrounding the Maxwell family, one of your own, that would be a big blessing to Multiplication Network as well. And then to finish, uh, just pray for uh, what God is doing that even in the midst of the pandemic, that our leaders in Africa, Latin America, Eurasia, Europe, will, uh, will, will seek those opportunities that the Holy Spirit presents to them to continue planting churches. Last year, by God's grace, we were able to verify 5,563 new communities of faith. Wow. And so we're, we were hoping this year to be able to pass that but with COVID, we'll just be happy if we hit 5,000. We're pretty sur- certain we'll hit 4,000, but maybe the Lord will grant us that we be able to hit 5,000 new congregations. So praise the Lord for that. Yeah, amen. That's that's unbelievable. God is on the move. I mean, 5,000 new gospel communities being planted uh, is is pretty incredible and, and really something only God can do for his glory through the Holy Spirit. And so we, again, we say amen, hallelujah to that. And for any of you who don't know Tim and the Maxwell family, unbelievable family at Bethel, uh, they go to our Cedar Lake campus. And so if you would like to reach out to them, uh, please email me jbryan at bethelweb.org and we can help you get connected to encourage them. And, and John, what's a website that people could go to, to to be involved if they want to pray, to give, whatever, to Multiplication Network? Yeah, just www.multiplicationnetwork.org. And I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, multiplicationnetwork.org. And uh, there's quite a bit of information there. And if not, contact us. We'd be glad to, uh, um, you know, provide more information. Well, great. Well, John, we so appreciate your time. Uh, we know you are a busy guy. And, and uh, so we are grateful for all the work that you do and all the work that Eminem does and all the partners and pastors that you work, or work with around the globe. And we, uh, we will be praying for, for all of you and uh, that God continues this church planning movement. We know that he will do all things for his glory and that he continues to expand his kingdom. And it, what a privilege it is to be a part of that, right? Uh, what it a is. Just unbelievable gift of grace that we get to be a part of what God is doing. Thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel, Jared. We really appreciate you personally and your congregation corporately. Thank you. We can't do this alone. We all do our part and, and God Uh, it takes care of it and he wants us to work together. So thank you for the opportunity to partner. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. 
Well, to to our listeners, thank you again for for tuning in to Preysend Go in a Pandemic Conversations with Mental Voices, and we hope you tune in next time. God bless. <laughs>